Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today, as always, with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm so excited for today's discussion. It's a really interesting topic. Yes, it really, really is. And so let's begin by noting that for the past 20 years, there's been a considerable decline in church attendance and traditional worship in general. So many in the younger generation, your generation, Matthew, have been let down by the traditional worship experience and are seeking a non-traditional experience of spirituality that offers greater inclusiveness and tolerance and practical application to the challenges we face in everyday life. It feels to many of us that there has been a lot of hypocrisy and dishonesty and just a general sense that what traditional religious leaders want us to believe doesn't really meet our needs in a practical way. I know, and I think it's really important that we discuss an alternative that offers another way to look at spirituality, uh, a way that offers a less structured, more liberating experience of the nature of the universe and our own creative potential, a way that offers us hope for our future and a way to be a practical part of the change we wish to see in the world. And this applies not only to the younger generation, but to all of us. So today, we're going to talk about an alternative to traditional forms of worship and introduce a term called progressive spirituality, which has been around for a while, but seems to be gaining popularity during this time of unrest. So we're going to talk about some of the principles of progressive spirituality, which can provide those who are searching for something more, some powerful opportunities to look at some old ideas in new and transformative ways. First of all, in progressive spirituality, the term God is understood as a creative force inherent in all life, not a personal being, but a creative force. Humanity is seen as inherently good, created in love. Progressive spirituality is more philosophical and less theological, more mystical and less traditional. Progressive spirituality puts an emphasis on human rights and inclusion and strives for nonviolence as a way of life. It honors the many paths to God and strives for coherence between what we believe and how we take action in our lives. It also places a great emphasis on personal growth and empowerment. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of the history of progressive spirituality and see how these ideas have lived in the minds and hearts of humanity for a very long time. Now, I also want to point out that the term new thought, including unity, is also used to describe these ideas. So let's begin by talking about the Enlightenment period in America. And this was during the 18th and 19th centuries when Americans were feeling the effects of the Enlightenment period, which was a movement that originated in England and France. It was based on the idea of bringing light to a dark age. 
this movement strongly resonated with a growing need among people to be released from authoritarian rule, both religious and political, to a more optimistic attitude about human rights, the relationship between religion and politics, the possibilities of integrating science and religion, and the opportunity to govern themselves. This was the time when great thinkers such as Thomas Paine, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, John Adams, and Benjamin Franklin invented and adopted revolutionary ideas about the acceptance of scientific discoveries, religious tolerance, and new forms of government, which would have a tremendous effect on the development of our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, and later on, the New Thought Movement. There was an emphasis on rational thinking, freedom of religion, and the liberty and rights of individuals. Now, the Enlightenment thinkers in Europe believed that tradition, custom, and prejudice were barriers to gaining true knowledge of the universal laws of nature. They believed that by understanding God's existence as separate from holy books or prophecy or miracles, that we would be free to gain true knowledge of the universal laws of nature. They developed a philosophy called deism, D-E-I-S-M, and understood God as reasonable, loving, a being that endowed humans with reason, so they had the capacity to understand the universe and its natural laws. In other words, God created the universal laws that govern nature, and then human beings bring God's will into manifestation through sound judgment and wise action. They were very much against religious dogmatism and blind obedience to tradition. Now, the deists were the first to practice what is now known as Unitarian Universalism. Among the American deists were George Washington and James Madison, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Alexander Hamilton. In fact, Jefferson wrote the life and times of Jesus from a deist perspective, which later became known as the Jefferson Bible. This version eliminated all mention of miracles or divine intervention. For the deists, God created the universe and all life and endowed humanity with the wisdom and guidance to maintain and care for it. Actually, a copy of the Jefferson Bible is available on Amazon. And so uh, I suggest that we all treat ourselves to a reading of that because it clearly identifies that without all of the blind faith and emotionalism, there could be a rational understanding of the universe in a very practical way to experience life. Now, a concept that rose during the Enlightenment period was tolerance or tolerant pluralism. After the Thirty Years' War of the 17th century, European and Enlightenment thinkers imagined a time in which enlightened reason and not religious dogmatism governed relationships among all races and cultures. They believed that hatred or fear of the differences of others interfered with economic trade, it extinguished freedom of thought and expression, and eroded the basis for friendship among nations, which led to persecution and war. 
American Enlightenment thinkers, including Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, agreed with John Locke, a philosopher and physician who is known as the father of liberalism. In his work, A Letter Concerning Toleration, written in 1796, he pointed out that the government should not have the right to establish an official state-sanctioned church. Rather, civil government should protect the right to worship as one chooses, or not to worship at all. The United States of America was to be a land where persons of every faith could thrive peacefully and cooperatively, without fear of persecution by government or fellow citizens. Ben Franklin believed this so strongly that he donated funds to every church in Philadelphia. There's a great uh, PBS documentary that just came out, Ken Burns directed, about uh, Benjamin Franklin. And it's really fascinating. It talks about the, the spiritual stuff, and it also talks about how Ben Franklin's view of toleration, um, especially if we look at, at it from a modern concept, evolved a lot throughout his lifetime. It did. It was a fascinating documentary. We watched it together, and it was so beautifully done in relation to Franklin's ideas evolving as he traveled around and saw uh, people in different phases of their own development, and he remembered that religious tolerance was one of the reasons that they wanted to escape the rule of the authoritarian Church of England being the only way to worship. Mm -hmm. It became very clear to him that, and and to the other uh, founding fathers, that freedom of worship was one of the most important freedoms, and that the United States should never have a particular church that they espoused or that everyone should contribute to, and also that people were free to not worship at all. Mm -hmm. So as these ideas began to take root, we saw the rise of another important contribution to new thought, which is called transcendentalism, one of my favorite periods. Now, this started in the 1830s in New England and was led by the wonderful writer and philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson and later Henry David Thoreau. If you remember, he took two years off to go to Walden Pond and to contemplate the meaning of life and the spirituality in nature, a very revolutionary thought as well. So, transcendentalism was based in three important ideas, individualism, idealism, and the divinity of nature. Individualism refers to the ability to understand and experience our own unique nature and trust our reason and intuition to guide us. Idealism refers to the ability to see life as it can be, with all its possibilities. The divinity of nature is the willingness to experience God in all creation, not just humanity. So now we have some important ideas being introduced in society around the time New Thought was being introduced. Freedom from authoritarianism, rational thinking, support of science and new inventions, religious tolerance and diversity, and the rights of individuals, including freedom of religion. One of the most notable and yet least known of all the influencers of the New Thought movement was a clockmaker named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. 
Now, he was born in 1802. As an adult, he had learned to mistrust doctors and had no particular respect for religion. What he did have was a deep understanding of the mind-body connection. Quimby wrote and taught that the mind or spirit has the ability to heal the body. Although he referred to himself as a physician, he was really introducing the concept of psychology. Quimby was a great observer of how the mind worked and was certain that many of our illnesses in life were the result of the mental and emotional stressors that we put on our bodies. Quimby believed that if we could understand how our negative thinking affects our body functions, we could heal our illnesses by changing our thoughts. Quimby would sit down with a patient and ask them to describe their pains and symptoms. During this time, Quimby would intuit which of their attitudes and beliefs was at the root of the problem. Then Quimby would share that information with the patient. In other words, if the patient complained of digestive problems, Kumbi might say, your anxiety and worry about finances is the cause of your indigestion. If the patient agreed with Quimby's diagnosis, then a chemical change, he would say, would take place in the body of the patient and they would experience a healing. But if the patient refused to agree, then the healing would not take place. Quimby was careful to point out that not all diseases could be cured through the mind, and it was important to not feel undue guilt over a situation that was out of our control. Quimby's reputation as a healer was known far and wide, and pretty soon, a woman named Mary Baker Eddy came to see him with a list of ailments which were healed after several visits. She went on to take the information that Quimby shared with her and used much of it in the formation of the organization she founded called Christian Science. However, she embellished his information, added her own insights, and eventually became quite dogmatic in her beliefs that there was only one reality, and that was the invisible power of the mind. She actually stated that manifestation was not real, it was the result of what she referred to as malicious animal magnetism. In other words, the visible world is not real. The invisible world of the mind was the only reality. So to practice Christian science would be to deny the reality of the visible world and focus only on mental healing. As time passed, Mrs. Eddy became more and more insistent that going to doctors represented a lack of faith, and eventually her assistant, a metaphysical teacher named Emma Curtis Hopkins, split from her and started a metaphysical school in Chicago from which the co-founders of Unity, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, the co-founders of Science of Mind, Ernest and Fenwick Holmes, and the founder of Divine Science, Nona Brooks, graduated in the late 1800s. So the background of progressive spirituality or new thought is based in the American Enlightenment, Transcendentalism, and the beginnings of modern psychology. 
Throughout the years, we have learned to put into balance the relationship between the realm of ideas and the realm of manifestation. We understand that all life is sacred. There are not two powers, only one divine energy expressing as both visible and invisible energy. In terms of Mary Baker Eddy's absolutism in relation to doctors, the co-founder of Unity, Charles Fillmore, said this, Go first to God, and then to man as God directs. That is, use your wisdom and guidance to determine how your healing will take place, realizing that doctors are agents of healing, and all healing is spiritual healing. I I remember something you told me once of someone saying, uh, someone who was avoiding uh, the medical profession and wanting to use more holistic practices, saying, oh, I only want to use, you know, spiritual-based techniques. And and you said uh, something to the effect of, I'm paraphrasing, well, didn't God inspire the, the physician, the scientist who developed that medication to try to help others? So there's always, always that spirituality in everything. There is just that one force. Yes, there is. And I'm glad you remembered that because that is fundamental to our moving the new thought or progressive spirituality into the 21st century is to realize that there aren't two powers. There aren't even two forms of energy. There's one, visible and invisible. And so when we talk about God, rather than speaking of an individual with likes and dislikes, you know, God prefers that we don't go to doctors kind of thing, Uh, No, God is the spirit, the power of unconditional love, substance, and intelligence. And so all forms of healing have to be spiritual healing because there's the one mind of spirit inherent in all people. And of course, doctors are the conduits. Of course, the, the new inventions that are inspired by our creative minds bring all kinds of forms of healing into manifestation that weren't available to us before. So we've covered a lot of information with this episode, and I think it's a good idea to listen to it again and again. We're living in a period of time now where mainstream religion, as we said before, is declining. Those in the younger generation are disillusioned by the hypocrisy of religion as well as the dogma. And it's extremely important to talk about new ways to discuss old ideas that can comfort us and empower us to create a community, a world of greater peace and greater hope for our future. So I just want to remind you of the principles of progressive spirituality that we talked about at the very beginning of the episode. In progressive spirituality, the term God is understood as a creative force rather than a human being. Humanity is seen as inherently good, created by this one force of energy that is unconditional love, life, and wisdom. Progressive spirituality is more of a philosophy and less of a theology more mystical, more universal, and less traditional or denominational. Progressive spirituality puts an emphasis on human rights 
inclusion and strives for nonviolence as a way of life. Progressive spirituality honors the many paths to God and looks for coherence between what we believe and how we take action in our lives. It's a very practical yet holistic experience. What we believe needs to be manifested in our lives. We can't continue to have a conflict in consciousness and try to force ourselves into a particular belief system. Less denominational and more universal. Progressive spirituality also places a great emphasis on personal growth and empowerment and self-responsibility. Because we are whole and good by nature, we need to strive to release and let go of the old beliefs which would keep us in bondage to a negative self-image and an anthropomorphic God. So I am proud to say that For more than 30 years, I've been sharing the unity message, which is a part of this progressive spirituality, and we want to share this gift with the world. It is inclusive, it is based in love, and it is a reminder that we are so much more than we believe ourselves to be. And if these ideas resonate with you, Please share them, share this episode, share these ideas, and get off your affirmation. Become the change you wish to see in the world. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on our Facebook page or on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.